We are Science Fiction Remnant, a podcast for sci-fi lovers spanning across books, movies, TV shows, and games. This is Season 1, Episode 27, Movie, 2000's Frequency, for November 28th, 2020. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Science Fiction Remnant. Thank you so much for coming back. This means a lot to us. We hope that you find this episode as exciting to listen to as it was for us to create for you. If you like this show and know someone who might like this podcast, please share it. It would help us greatly in growing this channel. You can also follow us on Twitter at Sci-Fi Remnant and share any comments you have about this podcast with your friends and families. Thank you. Well, everyone, this movie was very interesting. Uh, it's a throwback. I believe this movie was made on 2000. And when Robert first showed it to me, it kind of got my attention because the main character is uh, one of my favorite actors. Dennis Quaid. <laughs> oh, and you mentioned uh, the, the main star, actually, because, I mean, Dennis Quaid, Dennis Quaid is technically a supporting actor. Yes, he is. But Gene Cavicel, I love that guy. Like, <laughs> his work, most of the, I haven't seen a movie that I don't like of him. So... When you show it to me, the funny thing, we were not really sure if it was sci-fi, but as we were watching it, we're like, yes, this is sci-fi all well, the way down. You know, it's kind of funny you mentioned that. I mean, for me, <clears throat> I mean, it's very easy to think, you know, especially if you go for the, the Apple um, genre, um, that this is a drama, because that's the first thing that hits you when you watch this movie. Um, I seen this movie, I couldn't tell you how many times. This is one of my all-time favorite movies. Um, for me, it has always been sci-fi. And if you look it up in INDV and look for genre, this is, it, it obviously has drama. It has, yeah. it has thriller. Um, but it is a sci-fi movie. Um, for, you know, anything that deals, to me, everything, that, anything that deals with, um, a, a, anything with time travel, Mm -hmm. uh, of, of a source um, for me all that has to be sci-fi it is sci-fi uh, as much as you want to put it I mean it's not real and, and at the same time we're talking about messing up with timelines yeah we're talking yeah. about changing the past which affects the present and the future so it is sci-fi no matter how many times you want to go around it the main focus of the movie it's sci-fi. Without that element, the movie doesn't exist, if you think about it. Well, to, to give you a little background on this, Frequency was uh, released in April 28, uh, 2000. Um, it cost around $21 million, and it made $68.1 million at the box office. So it, wow. it, it made double what it cost. Yeah. Well, a little bit more of that. So it, I, it I consider, was a well-made movie. Yeah, I consider this... Uh, a, a successful movie All, although I don't hear people talking about it and most of the times that I mentioned no one knows about this movie so it, it had a success but I don't think it, had, it has a following like most of the other movies that we have done and it, it deserves a following well you can think that well, we cannot call it a sleeper really no no it, this is a, it was a successful movie uh, and, and technically it's not a sleeper so Probably, probably you will say that most of his public was not a sci-fi fan, probably, because it's a movie that you don't necessarily need to be 
a sci-fi lover to really enjoy. You know, now that you mention that, I think that, uh, that the movie might be a little misleading because when you watch it, like I, like, like I said, the first thing that hits you is drama, you mm -hmm. know, especially when you read the description. Um, so most sci-fi lovers, if it's like me, um, we have a tendency of maybe not watching it because you can perceive drama um, unless you get hit with a trailer, you know, and, and then you realize, you know what, this it's not an obvious sci-fi movie. Yeah, you so, can, that's perfect description, actually. So as a sci-fi person, uh, someone that loves sci-fi movies, uh, uh, might not be inclined um, first to watch, you know, like if you have this movie and then you have another one about space travel or something like that, you, you're going to go for the other one. So. Yeah. But um, all I can say is uh, this is a, I like wholesome movie. Yes. Very good. And if you have not seen it, I strongly recommend you watch it. And, um, you know, let this, let's discuss it in, in Discord and, and see what you think. Yeah, I would love that. Uh, I would love to hear what others have to say about it. The movie starts on a way that gives you, like, everything is not okay for the main character. Uh, his life is not going right. And on top of that, you can feel, like, the melancholy of his everyday. Mm -hmm. And then things just take a different turn. Yeah, I mean, we were met with this, um, uh, the main star. He's a um, New York police officer. Um, and he had a hard, well, not necessarily hard life, but he had a, a sad uh, life. You know, he's, he's, he lost his uh, father to a fire um, when he was younger. Um, he, he Less than 10 years. Yeah, something like that. And... Um, his mother is he's kind of like emo maybe I don't know if that might be a bad description mm. but basically you know he has a girlfriend that is leaving him for 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 obvious reasons I mean this guy is just gloomy mm -hmm. just you know you can definitely feel that like he doesn't take care of himself or anything around him mm-hmm so, and, and I have a feeling um, at this point, you know, when you watch this movie, this is all related to, to losing his father when he was uh, very young because he really loved his father. So, you know, he, his father was a firefighter. He, he actually died in a fire. So, we met him um, towards the beginning of the movie. He goes and meets his um his best friend you know that, yes. that that one friend that you have that is always at your house we all have that one person um and he's i guess they're inside his house you know um that he, he invited his friend with his with his kid um which is kind of funny we see the little kid and it's it's amazing to see that's uh, uh scott pilgrim scott pilgrim yes <laughs> he's so young oh my god <laughs> oh my god scott pilgrim when i saw it, i was like what look who's there michael sarah <laughs> so you know he invites his his, his best friend over and uh, they're discussing you know um you know a couple of things and um, I guess they they tell uh, Michael Sarah to go uh, in this movie is his his best friend's kid to go find um, something to play in, yeah. in, in the closet. 
and uh, he finds um, the a chest. Yeah, it was a chest. It, it's apparent immediately that is uh, the guy's, uh, the police officer's uh, father, because it's it has the insignia for the New York uh, Fire Department. Yes. So immediately. Uh, they start reminiscing. It's like, oh my God, this this must be your father. And they open it up and it's like, oh my God, remember that? This was the radio he used to use. Um, yes. A, a hand radio. It's like, you remember when... Well, he always used to say, this is not a toy. It's not a toy. <laughs> so they were not allowed to play with it, obviously, because, uh, you know, uh, you know, there were, there were kids. So... This is basically, in my opinion, when the movie starts, because they're mm -hmm. saying, "Okay, you want to try and see if it still works," and and they move it up and connect it and um, and start messing. They start messing with it. Um, so uh, before they can actually do much on it, uh, Gordo, which is uh, John Sullivan's friend, his wife arrives, so he and the kid have to leave. Yes. Yeah. So John Sullivan is left alone with the radio and with his typical cigarettes and bottle of, I think it's a red label. He's drinking yeah. every night. Oh, my, oh my God. God. Poor thing. Well, you can tell he's, um, he, he, he just wants to get drunk. Oh, my God. He if, wants if, to get messed up. If you, if you drink. From uh, the bottle. <laughs> not necessarily. Uh, just that bottle. I mean, uh, the. The. the <laughs> uh, if you're not drinking single malt, you want to get drunk. <laughs> no, and if you're drinking Red Label, you're going to get messed up. <laughs> Definitely. So, you know, now he's alone in the house. Uh, the ham radio is hooked up. And he's just messing, messing around with it. Uh, something that you brought up, um, you notice that Aurora Borealis. Yes. The first time that I saw it, I was like, okay, what the heck is this? Freaking <laughs> queens and you have Aurora Borealis? This is not right. And, and you can tell you can tell that it's not normal because um, when he's watching the TV, uh, you, you hear uh, there are experts mm -hmm. talking about the phenomena and yes. how strange. Happened 30 years ago, they were saying something like that. Exactly. Exactly. So... Obviously, we know that this is not normal. Mm -hmm. I mean, just look at it. This is, uh, what was the city again? Um, well, they live in Queens. Uh, Queens. Yeah. Queens, New York. And uh -huh. Aurora Borealis. You know it's not. No. <laughs> I mean, you don't see it in every part of Alaska. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm not doubting that, you know, but it's not something... You know, it, it's definitely abnormal. Uh, and it's apparent again because when he's watching the, um, the TV show, you know, there's, there, there's a lot of experts talking about how unusual this is and stuff like that. So, radio starts working? Yeah, uh, radio starts working like he's trying to, to talk to somebody out there. And somebody did answer. Oh, yeah. And you know, where are you from? It's like from Queens. It's like, well, I thought this you used this to uh, communicate with people around the globe. It's like, well, at the right time, you can communicate with people from Japan or Australia. Um, mm -hmm. So, but the funny thing is that they are talking before he started using the radio with his 
his friends, mm-hmm. uh, with his friend Gordo, mm-hmm. about how before you used to need a license for it, yeah. and now it's just a relic. Well, technically, you still need a license for it, but really, yeah, I, th- I th- I'm gonna have to look it up. But I, I they gave it thought- away on a way that I sensed that you didn't need it anymore. Because when the guy on the other side replies to John and tells him, buddy, you need a license for this, and if you don't have it, you better shut it down. I was like, oh. Yeah. That's the first cue. Something's off well, for I, me. It, to me, and again, you know, uh, I, I might be wrong in saying this, but it, to me, the, the, what I perceive at that particular moment is, for him, no one uses ham radio anymore. So exactly. he's like, I need a license. Who cares? I'm not, it's not like I'm going to do this every day so he continued talking it's like you know whatever guy you know i don't even know who you are and i don't care <laughs> yeah it could be it could be so i don't know i might be wrong but you know that's what i perceive from the whole thing but the, but the things that you can you can feel with the acting they gave away on that interaction that like something was off between their perceptions of things because He's like, oh, where do you get this radio? How do you find it? Yeah. You know? So it, it, things got a little weird, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't it in that first conversation when they, um, they asked for, well, actually, uh, the guy on the other end of the radio asked for the call, the, is it the call sign or the, the, the every radio has a, like a registered call sign and this one was like w something q no that, that was the second conversation okay and, and what happens is in the first one they have a short conversation they speak a little bit about baseball mm-hmm. and basically uh he kind of gives away things that are to happen uh, or that, that happened already 30 years oh, ago on, I remember on, on that game part. of baseball. Yes. And yes. then, of course, they show it to the, to the viewer that is watching the movie. The guy on the other side of the radio turns out to be his father 30 years back. So he, he's actually having a conversation across uh, 30 years. In the same place. In the same, same, <clears throat> same day, um, same time. Same place, different time. Exactly. 30 years exactly ago, to the second. Exactly. So the, so how the first conversation goes, he talks a little bit like they, they, they don't even get the opportunity to, to clarify like, hey, I'm talking about things that happened already. But he kind of gives away about what happened on a, uh, on a baseball game. Mm-hmm. And then... You know that they show that the Aurora Borealis seems to be the reason why they can communicate. So it goes away and the communication gets cut. Yeah. So they don't get to really determine more stuff or talk more about this conversation. Like it gets out of their hands. It gets cut off so they cannot continue it. But I remember also that he was, he found it very odd um, that he knew things that haven't happened yet. So Mm -hmm. he was kind of like, you know, calling bullshit on it. Yes. Yes, he was calling bullshit on it. And that's on until the next day. 
when he's actually sitting down and, and watching, they were talking about the results of a baseball game. Yeah. The very first baseball game for this, I forgot, I don't follow the sports. Mets, the Mets, I think yeah. it is. So he's sitting down and watching the game, and it happens exactly how he says it. Exactly. And then he's like, whoa. But the funny thing is that then they start talking, and basically... Oh, this is a second conversation now. Yeah. A second conversation happens. And when they start talking, he kind of tries to... Uh, I think he asked for the for the sign code. That's yeah. What, the, that's like the, the, the signature. It's the code that the radio comes with. That's when they freak <clears> out. Because <throat> then he asking for it. And when he tells it, it's right on top of his own radio. Oh, yep, yep. So he's like, what the heck? So he, well, he thought, okay, you know, Gordo, I mean, did someone put you up to this? Who's, who's, who's on the joke? You know, this must be a joke. <laughs> exactly. Then the other guy's like, there's no joke here going on or anything. And then he starts, John starts telling him who he is, what he does, where he leaves. And then Frank, which is his father, mm-hmm. starts getting freaked out. Oh, yeah. So he's like, stay away from my kids, stay away from my house. Didn't he burn the, the desk with, the, with yes. the expression? No, he actually, uh, he put a cigarette <clears throat> and he put it on the table and he put a newspaper on top. And when he did that, it caught fire and then he started shutting it down, turning it off. And you can see on, on John Sullivan's desk how the burn gets drawn in cold. Because and, it's happening 30 years back, but it's happening. And it's kind of funny, because isn't that the part when he said, okay, I can see you, you're burning the desk. Because the freaky thing is, he can actually see the desk being burnt, but it's cold to the touch. Mm-hmm. So as, as it happens in the past, it's also changing the future where he's at. And that's when he started, you know, freaking out. He looked out the window. It's like, okay, this guy is looking at me. He's watching me. Yeah. It's obviously he's watching me because. Because I'm all the way. Yeah. I'm just, I just burned the desk. So (laughs) I I don't know. I thought that was just kind of funny. No, that's when I think that that's when it gets entertaining and tricky Mm -hmm. that you start messing up with timelines. And that's also when he realized you know, the, the police officer, the past. that this is actually happening. Mm-hmm. So this is, it, they ask, they start asking questions like, you know, okay, listen, you buddy, my name is so-and-so and, and my father is so-and-so and they're trying to intimidate each other. Yeah. And, and in a way, they're actually giving each other's um, identity. Mm-hmm. So it comes to a point when they realize, holy crap, you know, I'm actually talking to my dad. Yeah, but... 30 think, years ago. I think that the second conversation doesn't end well, neither. Because he doesn't believe. Still. He's, the, like, incredulous. The dad doesn't believe, but the guy is actually... Yeah, in, the guy knows it already. So, what's going on is that the, the conversation, um, the, the frequency is going. And he saw this as an opportunity. Because, apparently, the next day... 30 years ago, is when his dad dies in the fire. Yeah. So he tries to give him, as fast as he can, the opportunity to save his dad. And it's like, that, you know, just remember, if you just go on the other way, you, you know, the dad wouldn't have... You wouldn't have died on that fire. Exactly. So the next day comes in, 
and we see the dad. And remember, this is kind of actually. No, this here's how it happens. Actually, mm-hmm. when they're talking, like I tell you, the father is completely incredulous. Yes. So he tells him, "You are gonna die, date so and so. There's gonna be a fire or an abandoned warehouse. warehouse. Yes. And you should have gone the other way. You would have saved yourself." That's everything that he was able to tell him. He was not able to predict anything else. And then he gave him the date, the place, mm-hmm. and, the, and and that's it. So the dad hangs up and he's like, screw this shit. Uh, this, this guy is messing with me. But when the fire comes, the moment that they call... Actually, he told him something about the baseball game too. Mm-hmm. So there was a baseball game going, on, game going on the moment that they got called up at the fire station. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So, so he didn't get that much time to absorb about the baseball game. But when they say fire in the warehouse, he already go like, oh, shit. Yes. He told me this state. He told me this place. And then I believed he was, uh, he went as far as telling him the name of the place because there was like some big letters on the building. Mm-hmm. So when he reads the letters, he's like, oh, wow. We could tell that he there was something up because even one one of his uh, co-workers was asking, hey, "Dude, are you okay, man?" Mm-hmm. And, and you can tell he's like deep in thoughts. Yep. And 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 I wonder what. And you know what? <clears throat> I always wondered. You know, because um, at this point he's still incredible, inc- incredulous, you know, incredulous. Yeah. Um, so he he's brought, in my mind. I'm thinking he's thinking the what ifs. You know, I know this is not true. It cannot be true. But what if... He's having a hard time really accepting it. Yeah. And it's obvious. I mean, Dennis Quay is such a great act. He is. <laughs> you can tell all this from his, you know, performance. But, um, you know, and we were wondering, too, like, okay. Um, he said, if you go on the other way, you know, how do you know which way is the right way? You see, and, 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 and that's something that, that I was like, crap, that was a very broad suggestion because you don't know what the other way means. You don't, you don't really know. So it happened in a way that made total sense because he picked the direction and then he decided to go the other way. Yeah, they, they made it very obvious. But at first you're thinking, you know, okay, how do you know? What's the other you way? Know? And then the what ifs, you know, like, what if? What the, if your first choice was the other way? Because after this conversation, your line of thought changed already. Exactly, you're changing the past. So, you, you know, you're changing the future. So, I mean, there's a lot of things in here. It's like, and, and it's kind of funny how at the same moment we see his son, the police officer, yeah. waiting at a bar, drinking uh, a, a drink. Now, it, it, you can obviously see that this is happening in real time mm-hmm. across 30 years in the past. Yeah. So, if you think about it, um, I don't know if you, have, if you guys have listened to our episode on Deja Vu. That's actually how that machine worked. It was exactly to the second. Um, it might be different in the, in, in, the, in the year range. You know, this happens to be 30... Uh, 30 years. The machine used to go just, what, four days? <clears throat> yeah, I think it was like four days, yeah. So, the thing is, it happened real time, but across, you know, a, a, a longer span in the past. So, I found, that, I found that really interesting, too, how he's like sitting down waiting 
Yet that happened 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a paradox, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because the thing is, the, the, I think the thing is that their interaction is the interception between the changeability of what was and what will be. Yeah. So if he would have never spoken to his dad, now we're talking theory, mm -hmm. then nothing would have ever changed, really. So he will be on that bar, not really waiting for anything to happen, right? Correct. So, so because he spoke to his dad, as he's waiting, he really have to wait for these changing events to take place in the past to change the future. Yes. yes. If not, it will be what it was. Uh, and that's, that's what touches that theory of multiverses and of the continuum of the present happening in past, present, and future. Yeah, I always think that the decisions that we take um, are actually forks in our um path mm -hmm. through the multiverses yeah so like for example um you have a turning point on your life where you could become a cop or a astronaut or a criminal uh, yeah Let, let's say that okay so you're a, a turning point in your life where you can either turn to become a police officer or a criminal say you actually decided Yeah, I'm going to become a police officer. So you continue on that path. Well, that turning point created an, a fork, an alternate universe where you are also a criminal. Yep. So now there's two of you in two separate universes. There are two separate. They follow two separate paths. Mm -hmm. And and I I don't know. I I always believed on that, where um, every turning point in everybody's um, life creates, in, in essence, a different universe. And that's why uni multi-universe, uh, in my opinion, are unlimited. Yeah, it's true. It's, it's definitely true. And, and that's something that, that kind of made it interesting uh, how the movie develops. Is that what you were saying? He was there seeing on a bar with his father's friend, which is his boss, mm -hmm. and Gordo, which, for some reason, I thought it was his brother. Yeah, yeah. It, but, it, but it's because back, back in the day, really, kids would sleep over all the time. Yeah, yeah. Too. Uh, so they're sitting there just waiting, and all of the sudden, his cups fall off, and it breaks, but he has both memories now. And that's the reason why I mentioned about the, the multiverse because he effectively was able to um, save his dad, mm -hmm. right? But in his mind, he remembers both. Exactly. He remembers a life where his dad was dead. So in essence, I believe he crossed and he is remembering two different universes. Exactly. One where he died, his dad died, and one where his dad, uh, his dad was dead. Exactly, because he, he, here's the thing. And, and I think that, that that was very, very well done mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to timeline-changing theories. Yes. It's the factor that affects the individual. It's their consciousness. Yes. It's, it's like the saying says, the beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Yep. So 
everybody else is completely unaware. They are actually just like dominoes, uh, pieces that have been affected by the domino effect of time changing. Uh, I, they are completely unnoticed because they are not present on the changing of that event. Correct. The only two people that know what's going on are Frank and John. Yes. Father and son. Yep. You know, so if, so if like everybody else, when that change, that event changed and happened differently, it's just like it always was for them. Yes. Yes. And we can, all, we can also talk um, basically what we talked about in the Arrival movie. And how, okay, so the question is this. If you, if you, yourself, you see yourself in this opportunity, you know, anybody would know that the first thing you would want to do is you want to try to change the path. You want to try, try to change the things <clears throat> that, you know, cost, cost you pain. Yeah. In this particular example, he, is, uh, he, he was successful in changing his father's death. Now, the thing that we're talking about in um, Arrival, and, and, and again, you guys can go back and listen to the episode on Arrival if you want to get more in-depth into that conversation. But uh, we talked about how, you know, a time and space is, is one thing. Yeah. Because we are third or three-dimensional beings, we tend to feel as those two things are separate. We, we do not see time as a dimension that you can go back and forth on. And, and we cannot. And, you know, and I think that's the reason why we tend to separate time from space, although time, time, time and space are the same thing. Mm -hmm. So... For a being that is uh, four-dimensional or higher, this is something that is, you know, that, that's what they are. That's mm -hmm. what they do. You can, um, you experience your birth and your death at the same time. So, for someone in the third dimension to get the opportunity to change the path, and, you know, the path to, to change his path for a better future, or to change anything that they have no control over, like in this case, was the death of his father. It's the obvious thing to do. Mm -hmm. So, but the thing is, we're third dimensional beings. We don't know what perfect changes we could make, or where and when we can make those changes to make the ultimate change. I mean, to what, what we want. What's going to be the, the chain effect that that's going to release by changing how things were? Yeah. So that's the other, that's the other paradox, would you call it? Yeah. It's, it's like, like I said before in, in the episode on the arrival, we are blind. We're making changes and we are blind. We don't know what we're doing. And in essence, our changes could cause... Uh, really bad consequences or worse consequences than what we wanted to, to change. And, and I don't know if you remember, that, that was one of the things that got me on, on the arrival kind of going back and forth about it. Mm -hmm. It's that regardless that, that the professor on the arrival, she could see everything, she would not change her trajectory. Exactly, because she knows that's the ultimate change, mm -hmm. and nothing else. And here is different. Here, they don't know what the, they know what the past is. They're just merely two guys trying to change it. 
without really measuring the consequences of it. They actually get to see the consequences of it and try to fix it. I think even if they can see the consequences, they're not able to follow, kind of like a fourth dimensional being can see the entire timeline and Mm -hmm. make an ultimate decision on where and when. They can do that because they are third dimensional beings like we all are. So even if they can see the consequences and they try to avoid or make a different change, they're never going to be able to make the right change. Yeah. Does that make sense? I mean, it, I don't know. It's just you something... Will need, you will need to see what are the outcomes so you can make that decision. They don't have that ability. Exactly. So, in here, he was able to sex- save his dad, right? And what his dad does, because obviously someone in that position that tells you okay imagine if you have a communication from your son in the future and say on this day you're gonna die first of Mm -hmm. all that becomes very somber all real fast you know so you're like okay crap so you make a change and you're able to go past that day that you were told it it was your your day you know your death day what is the first thing you're gonna do you're gonna go to all the people that you love and, and, and you're going to kind of like appreciate that you're alive mm-hmm. because you know that you actually were going to die the second opportunity. So in this movie, what he does, he goes, it's his wife. Yep. What happens? <clears throat> and this is obvious after the fact, you know, she wasn't supposed to be at the hospital. They were supposed to call her up saying your husband died. Mm hmm. So, this is the first consequence. She's at the hospital. There's this guy that is about to die. That, in fact, he died that day. But because she was there and not, you know, away from the hospital because of the husband's death, she saved this guy. This guy was a serial killer. Yep. So... In the future, we see this guy had killed a total three. of three women. Yeah, three women. Which, which uh, something curious that I wanted to add, <clears throat> I didn't kind of realize when we were watching the movie, because I was so caught up in what's going on. Mm-hmm. But they show you his face, because when he's doing that first investigation, he go across to the people that lived in there, and you see his picture. He's a dead cop. And you see his photos, and he's talking to his parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's when they discovered that the skeleton. So we know his, yeah, so we knew his name and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of clever about this movie, because they it give is. you everything in front of your nose, but you can't figure it out yet. No, exactly. So, and it turns out that skeleton was the very first one. So technically, there were four murders. Yeah. But what happens is after this change, after um, the son was able to, to save his dad and make the change in the past, he goes back to work, and now there's 10 victims. Not three. Not three. So, consequences. Mm-hmm. And it's just simply because he was actually brought into emergency, and because... 
John Sullivan's mom was in the hospital, he got saved. Because mm-hmm. if not, he just dies. Yes. And he was meant to die that day. Mm-hmm. So if you think about it, <clears throat> he did a good thing. And in doing so, he caused a bigger problem that affected a lot more people. Yep. So now, because he saved his dad, in, his, in essence, he's saving one person and killed ten, um, eight more. Mm-hmm. So, consequences. You know, it's just... Consequences. <laughs> We, we don't know what we're doing when we're, you know, if we had the opportunity to change time and space because we're third dimensional beings, we don't know what we're doing. We're That's a big decision. That's not something that you lightly should do. And, and the thing is, you know, I think about this and I would like to hear from you guys, too. Like if you were in that position, I know I would have done the same thing. Yeah. I would have done the exact same thing. Probably any of us would. Not yeah. realizing there are probably worse consequences. Yeah. Of such things. So this this movie apparently, you know, like I said, it, it's it's a drama. Um, it, it's very light haired, uh, you know, hearted, uh, but it is deep. It is deep. And and you know, it's not apparent when you watch this because you could actually watch this movie and and not think of it. You know, it's, it's in a very entertaining movie, but I, I don't know, maybe it's just me. I think about all this deep possibilities within the movie and what the, and I like to think that the writers uh, were, were inclined to show you. I think, I think that they were, because that's the thing. You see how every little decision that they have to take has to be well calculated because depending on what they do, it'll make it worse and they don't want that. Yes, yes. You know, so so they did a great job on depicting the responsibility that comes with you trying to change the past. Yeah. Which is something that I think is not very thought of when science fictions are made to change the past. Mm-hmm. Like, well, when we watch the Traveler movie, mm-hmm. for example, the guy tried to save the woman. That's another theory. That you can try to change the past as much as you want, still gonna happen somehow. Yeah. Uh, so this didn't play out on this universe, but still, every little decision that they made showed to improve to have a tremendous uh, consequence. Well, and you know what? I believe, and this is just me. You know how you believe that things are meant to happen? Yeah. That will change no matter how much how much you have the opportunity to change the past. I think differently. I think things could change. Mm-hmm. You know, you have, if you had the opportunity to change the past, things will change and you could avoid things from happening. So that one thing that was meant to happen will not happen because of your inter- intervention. I believe that. But I also believe two things. I believe that when you make a change, you are bring- jumping, in essence, from one universe to the other. So what's meant to happen did happen, will happen in a different universe. You just changed from one universe to the other. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, any change you make, because you're blind to what's the reaction of that change, something else could happen that may or may not have worse consequences. Yeah. So, Absolutely. But that's just my thought. I mean, I'm sure, you know, you guys listening... Um, might have a different opinion, but I always thought 
you know, in, in, in that essence where, you know, that's basically what that is. And that's why, <clears throat> you know, the grandfather paradox, when you say like, a, if you go to the past and you had the opportunity to kill your grandfather, will you still be alive? Yes. You would just look different. Yes, I think you would. Uh, mm -hmm. You'll just jump from one universe to the other. So there's now going to be a, new, a universe where your grandfather is, is dead and you were never born. And there's a universe <clears throat> where you came from, where your grandfather was alive and you were born. Mm -hmm. Well, the way that they play it out on this movie, no. Well, let me contradict the, tr the tricky thing. Let me contradict you there. Remember when he said, when he saved his dad, and, and again, this is just an opinion to so see what your reaction is. When he said, um, he's, he saved his dad. And, yeah. he's, and he said, the weird thing is, I remember both. Yeah. I remember when you were dead, and I remember when you were alive. So that's, that's where I base my, I mean, not where I base my conclusion, obviously, because I've been thinking about this for years. But it's kind of like this movie, in a way, affirms my belief of the multi-universe. Of course, think about it. If you want to go even further, the moment that Frank and John Sullivan's consciousness got the touch of two timelines, mm -hmm. they became uh, immigrants into the current universe they are. Yeah. That's another th a great uh, thing. Because everybody else is completely unaware about this whole ordeal. Yeah. And their minds just completely change and is affected by what happens differently. And you know, in that, theirs. In, that particular exp uh, 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 in that particular instance, uh, you might think there's two um, universes created. You know, a universe where he's dead, the dad. Mm -hmm. The universe when the dad is alive. I believe there's three universes created. If you think about it, there's a universe, obviously, when the dad is dead, the dad is alive, and there's a universe when they changed and they both realized the two other universes. Yeah. So he's kind of like, you know, the quantum theory. And it comes all back to, to what I say, the beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So three universes, the one that never ever changed, Mm -hmm. The one from the experience of John Sullivan and the one from the experience of Frank Sullivan. Yeah, there's, uh, there's two universes that never changed and one universe that changed. Mm -hmm. The word change happened and they both experienced this thing. So it's, it's kind of like, you know, quantum theory. You know how uh, a quantum particle is, let me say it for the... For, to explain it a little better, I'm going to say it this way, but it is both on or off at the same time. Yes. And yes. you can only see, you know, when you see it. But when you see it, you're already interacting with it. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like the same thing in, 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 these, in this particular movie. And I know we're going really deep, but it's, it's, these are the things that I was thinking about when I was watching this movie. Of course, of course. These are, these are the topics that it touches. <clears throat> So, so now, now he's like, holy crap. Okay. So I saved my dad. And kill a bunch of more women. <laughs> yeah. And the bad thing is, he realizes that one of the women out of the 10 was the mom. 
Yeah, he's our mother. So we see the mom was alive at the beginning of the movie because of the change now. His mom died a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the dad still dies of cancer. Yeah. But, you know, it's not 30 years. It's, what was it, 10 years? Yeah, I think that he, uh, he, he lives a lot longer. Mm-hmm. So, so he's just said when he died of cancer, he's dead for about 10 years from the mm-hmm. present time. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, things are not exactly... In my opinion, I think they're worse. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of more more dead people. Uh, well, well, I'm not saying like obviously, you know, this is gonna sound bad. <laughs> the, 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 the ten women, they are total dead. I was just talking about his own immediate family. Yeah. He went from having to be able to talk to his mom to now have no parents to yep. talk to. Yeah. So he actually made it worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and that's when it gets funny because then he actually talks to his dad, explains to him, tells him not to freak out, and make, gets him to do some detective job, oh, actually. Yes. Which I found like, oh man, this is getting messy now. Because yes. this freaking firefighter is actually stalking people to save him. Yes. But he's not caught. Yeah. So, and, and, and and I mean, after that, like, like we'll get to there now. But like, when when he actually f- uh, finds the first uh, time that somebody's gonna get killed, like that gave me pissed off. Like I was like, how stupid cops can be too, in the, in the movie, of course. Yes, you yes. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because again. You know, this is just, again, this is just a movie, <laughs> yeah. you know, and not only that, this is a sci-fi movie. So it's, you know, fiction. Yeah. You know? I mean, director, you play too much with it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's what I like about science fiction. It is obvious. We know it's not real, right? Mm-hmm. But it's just the mental, how it gets my brain going. Mm-hmm. Uh, on on the what if possibilities, you know, and 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 the more realistic the possibilities are, the better the conversation. Because I mean, we've seen some sci-fi movies. They're like, ah, uh, you know what? Yeah. Nah. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and and again, again, I'm gonna say it. it sci-fi, in essence, is fiction. It's not true. Yeah. But you know, true. it's kind of nice to be able to like fantasize about and and one of the things that i like about the sci-fi topic is that it just takes you away from reality you know i always call it the vacation for your brain yeah that's what it is you know so yeah he's he's now he's in a journey to save his mom and his dad now yeah but it's like you said it's kind of stupid also in his point of view because he's not a cop so i was thinking oh great now he's not going to die of cancer now he's going to get killed yeah that's what i was thinking (laughs) so i mean what do you what do you think about this like because you haven't seen this movie ever i mean when i mention it <clears throat> Have you ever even seen trailers of the movie? Or? No, not at all. I, I I had no idea about this movie. So 
this and I know and the reason why I'm gonna ask this this question is because I know this is all you know, although it's a good movie and it's sci-fi, it's my typical type type of movie. And I know you don't really typically like those type of movies. But I find that you kind of like this one. And I yeah. just wanted to get your insight on that. Because you know how I, I said, and you know everybody laughs about this, and I like movies where there's a happy ending. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, you do. And, and I mean, they did a great job on this. This is like the Disney princess sci-fi version of sci-fi movies. Because... <laughs> Because Star's pretty messed up and kind of sad, and then it's like the happiest ending you can ever think about it. So, I mean, man, I mean, it's not like I hate it. I like it. Yeah, yeah. It's good to see that they are all happy. But, I mean, going back to, to the, the place where we were talking about in the movie, then it starts getting messy because you have the dad stalking nurses following them into bars. That was a little creepy. And I was like, what the heck is this guy doing? Good thing for him that at the time, you know, 30 years ago, because if that would have happened today, um, they would have been calling the, the cops. Of course, of <laughs> course. And, and, the, and the creepy thing is that the second, like the first thing that he goes, he scares away the guy. Yes. <clears throat> but the second time that he goes, the guy actually goes on him. So when he enters the bathroom, he gets actually assaulted. Yeah. Just like, what, are you following me? Are you stalking me? Exactly. And then you just get, uh, like, one thing that, that I was kind of disappointed about the character for Dennis Quinn, which is uh, Frank Sullivan, I was like, damn, this guy gets knocked up with two punches in the face. Because <laughs> it happened several times in the movie. He's a fireman, for crying out loud. <laughs> <laughs> he, should, he should have some more muscle there. So, but, but, but then... The, yeah, the I guy, thought I would. I thought he was a goner right there. Yeah, they, they were. He was getting the the the. I guess a string or string or something to choke him. To choke him and kill him right there. If it wasn't for people walking in into that, you know, he would have been bathroom. Dead. Yeah, no, he would have been goner. Uh, but then then the worst thing happened. The woman still dies. He actually is the one that finds her. Uh, but he didn't. He doesn't call the cops. Yeah, that's another thing. It's like, what the hell? You know, especially when you see he's being watched in the apartment by everybody because he's not being clever about it. He's just knocking at that door. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. So everybody's looking at the ruckus, you know? And then look at this. There's a dead woman in there. Yep. I, I thought that was a little stupid, if you it, think about it. it. It was, but but here's the, the part that leaves me more baffled. Is the next day they're talking about it, and he is telling his son on the, on the in the present time uh, what happens, mm -hmm. and then he tells like, "Oh, I'm, I'm screwed. He took my wallet." Yes, took so, his driver's license. So took his driver's license. So John John Sullivan takes fast. He's like, "Put it on a on a plastic bag. Put it somewhere that nobody's gonna f find it for thirty years." Ah, oh, for the fingerprints. So yeah, the fingerprints. So they can identify the guy. Now, here's the messed up part. They found his driver's license underneath the body of the dead girl. Yes. Which, as a cop, I'm like, I will be, that's what I said, like, they play oh. into, they play into stupid. Like, why would you, would you think that this is not somebody trying to clean their hands on somebody else too good to be true yes. exactly why, why, why what do you think of somebody that is killing somebody and has been killing other people already 
it's going to leave a driver's license underneath their body. Yeah, it's it's uh, too good to be true. You know, so wow, yeah, so yeah, I agree. That, that's that's one of the things that got me like, what? Seriously, they just <laughs> trying to to kind of make him more uncomfortable for the viewer here. <laughs> because I, I and I I believe, you know, I believe that yeah, police will get the guy, right? Because they need to get. I don't think that at that point a real police officer might think that this is well. There's always a possibility, but I don't think they're gonna think that this is. The actual killer, but it will be a suspect, somebody for questioning, but not somebody like, hey, it's a lead. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a lead because the killer obviously got his driver's license. Where did he did it? How did he do it? You know, this person had an interaction with a person that we're looking for. Yep. You know what I mean? So I don't know. It's just, and I agree with you. In the movie, that's how they should have, you know, think or thought about Frank, not as like the killer exactly they went straight up for like oh no this is the killer like what's going on so yeah no i, I definitely get it that's <laughs> but you know I, I also understand their point they're, they're trying to get this guy he's he's a serial killer and they they just gotta put a stop to it like and, and back then is it's easier because back then it was only what two or three no two yeah, there was. Now, after he changed the, the 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 time, now there was only one at that particular point. Yeah, there was a total of three. So <clears throat> he was able to save one and not the other. But um, like I said, you know, as a police officer, you wanna you wanna stop that. You know, you don't oh. you wanna do everything you that is in your power to stop someone like that for the to keep. Keep on killing, mm-hmm. you know. So in a way, I can understand. I just don't get why they don't, you know, they just question him, not as the killer. But then again, there's always a possibility. You 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 do have stupid people. Yeah, you do. <laughs> you know. So it's one of those things that it gets me going either way. In my mind, I can you know go this way, go the other way. Um, but yeah. So. I mean, after that, it just gets a little bit more agitated and funky. Yeah. Because then he gets picked up by his friend next day. Oh, that must have been so hard for him. Yes. As a best friend. Especially after he tells him what he told him. Yeah. I'm talking to my son in the future. 30 years in the future. Yeah. This dude is nuts. Yeah. <laughs> so now he's like, okay, I can't be thrown off the case because he can be thrown off the case because he has a personal uh, involvement, with, involvement the, with, with, the suspect. with the suspect. He is his best friend. So he could have been taken off the case at any time real fast yep. because you can't be, what's the word that I'm looking for? Um, you can You have to be unbiased exactly. about your decision making. You can be unbiased. And that's why he was acting so hard. Because he's trying to show, I guess he was doing this to gain some time, that he was not being biased. Although he, you can't help it. No. Best friend. Totally. Now, now here's the funny thing. He, he, Frank's, it's just, I like his acting uh, because he's a simple guy. Mm. He is the simplest guy that I ever seen. So he just went ahead and told him. He told him about the future. He told him about everything. He tells him, 
and this is where it gets funky. Watch the game. And then he goes a specific details about what is going to happen in the I mean, game. What he's saying, it sounds like it, it was like, completely made up. Exactly. It's, <laughs> a, it's like the details of the events that he says is going to happen on the game are the kind of things that you cannot predict. Correct. I you mean, know? So it's like, shit, you're looking at the future. Okay. It's kind of like, you know, he's going to hit the, the ball is going to hit his shoe and he's going to get a scuff mark and, and then he's going to be replaced by this other guy. And, and then, in this specific inning, somebody's going to hit a home run. So they're going to be full bases and we're going to make it with so many uh, scores against scores. So it's like, okay, that's way too much freaking detail. And, you know, the, the, his best friend, the police officer is looking at him with a kind of face that I would look at someone telling me something like that. Yeah, like, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, no, like, you're freaking nuts. You, like, dude, y you're being accused of a murder, and you want me to go watch a game? Really? <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, this is when the, the part when the wife comes in, mm -hmm. and, you know, he goes, he goes and see her, and you can tell that he's bothered by it and i don't think in the right way i think he's bothered because of all the stuff that he was told he thinks holy crap my friend could actually be the killer because someone's insane like that it's it's possible they can commit murder yeah they're not in the right state, state of, of mind. mind yeah so you can tell in his face it's like you know it's like sinking in oh my god so he he doesn't know how to re how to tell his wife mm -hmm. and they i guess they decided to go and and have a a coffee or something in a, a diner in a diner and he's really not paying attention to to the game and i remember in this scene i'm like dude just go look back look back watch the game watch mm -hmm. the game he's not he's definitely not watching the game He's just talking, and you can tell he has a real hard time to the point when he tells the wife, listen, they're going to take me, if they take me off the case, he's done. Because mm -hmm. all the, you know, everything is pointing to him, and I'm the only one in the way. So if they take me off the case, you know, Th that, that just, they just consider him the suspect and the perpetrator. Mm-hmm. And that's when, I guess, he overheards what's happening on the game. What's happening on the game. And I, th I don't know if you agree with me, but that was a funny part. You see, the wife is really concerned. The wife is like, motherfucker, you're just going to watch a game now? My husband's taking away. My, you better <laughs> do something for my husband. You're a best friend. And you're watching a game? And not only that, but he's looking at her and smiling. Yeah. <laughs> because everything Frank said happened, happened to the foot of the letter. Exactly how he said it would happen. So he's just laughing, mm -hmm. looking at this. And oh, my God. She's <laughs> I thought it was funny. No. It was messed up, actually, because, <laughs> like, he, Frank's wife must be, like, freaking a nerve-wreck, you know? Uh, but, and the worst thing is that, in the meantime, the actual perpetrator is trying to get to Frank to kill him in the, in the police station, because the motherfucker is a police, too. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, that's when I was like, oh, 
crap. <laughs> you know, I, I thought he was just a serial killer, but now I understand why he kills and no one knows who who who, who it is because he's a police officer mm-hmm. in the same prison. <laughs> yep. Oh, wow. So I I guess he 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 kind of escaped. So um I guess with the game, uh one of the guys that was watching the cell where Frank was at noticed that this dude went in and you know it's not protocol you know it's not your case it's not your perpetrator so why what are you, are you there? Doing there yeah so he go and pick him up and he left and that's when Frank took the opportunity to set up a trap he pulled some cables he connected it to the fuse box uh convenient for him there was a few fuse box in there yeah very <laughs> And and you could tell it's very believable because he's a fireman. Yeah. He's supposed to know about all this stuff because that's how he helps put the fires out. Mm-hmm. So he's waiting for this dude with a cable in his hands. And as soon as he walks in, he throws the cable. On the liquid on the floor. The, yeah, because he poured the, the coffee over. And um, yeah, he got kind of like electrocuted and he escaped. escaped couple of things about that scene at first i thought you know because i wasn't sure what he was doing it's like is he putting this around the handle of the door like what if his yeah. best friend walks in he's gonna kill his best friend that's know? what i was afraid of too and, and then i realized you know that what he was doing <clears throat> but the other thing that got me is like dude he assaulted a police officer I mean, we know. But of course, he's running for his life. He just was pointed (laughs) with a gun minutes before. So, very clever of him. He started the the, uh, fire system on the precinct. It's perfect for him to escape. So, he goes back to talk to his son over the radio. And um, at this point, he knows who it is. is, And he's been after him. So another interesting thing is that they're both talking to the same guy in different timelines. Yep. So the guy, you know, obviously he knows what he did. And he can't have people asking questions. Of course. Messed up part is he already know what Frank lives. At least in the past, he does. Well, in the future too, because he was a—he's uh, a PI. He was he, an ex-cop, and he's got a driver's license. So he looks at this guy, and he's where he, he knows where he lives too, because of access to the police records. Mm-hmm. So this is when things get really interesting. Um, I—I I, I mean, what—what what was your thought on that? I mean. When it just started for me, when it started for me was when when he's like he assaulted a police officer. All bets at this point. To me, that was that was uh, he had it coming because the first thing that happened before he actually electrocuted that guy was that the guy came into the room and actually he was at gunpoint. No, I understand that point, but so, to the I other mean, police officers in that precinct, they don't know that. No, I know, but you don't give a shit as an individual because you're you're actually now fighting for your life. Yeah, you don't know what kind of bullshit the guys this guy can say and actually shoot you and say that you tried to assault him. So you better hit first before you actually get shot. Yeah, you know, 
You have no idea what this guy, this, like, I was fearing that he was going to go inside, kill Frank, come with some cock and bullshit, mm-hmm. and say that he had to shut him because he was assaulting or something. And then just silence him. Yeah. And, and that would actually put uh, John on a bad position because then you know who it is, but there's no proof. Yes. Your yes. father now looks like a freaking criminal. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this is when it te- uh, the movie takes a turn. When he's talking to, uh, John is talking to his son in the future. Because at this point now, he knows who it is. Mm-hmm. And what is it? He sends him to his apartment? Yeah. No, well, he doesn't send him. He goes by himself. He just goes. Nobody asks him. John actually didn't ask him to do that shit. He goes. When he knocks him up, because he electrocutes him, he checks his driver's license. He just goes to his apartment. He hides in there, waits for him to come in, sneaks around while he's in it, and notices where he goes and hides. Like, he has, like, a little stash or something. Yeah. Because it it is... um, At that point, they knew from the case that the killer took mementos from every... um, Victim. Every victim. So that little box that he pulled was uh, actually it's kind of uh, interesting because we get to see the mother's um, uh, necklace necklace in there yeah that, with a fireman um, insignia in it mm-hmm. and that's when he realized he still he was still inside the the apartment and he dropped the box with everything all over the place. Mm-hmm. Well, the mother's the mother's wasn't because the mother wasn't dead by then. No, she was dead. Oh no, no, no you're he, right. She wasn't. She wasn't. Where did so, so the mother's necklace wasn't in there, but there were other uh, people uh, p- people necklaces, and the way that he had it, there was one little plastic bag for each victim with mm-hmm. a piece of newspaper for every the, crime where the crime came reported, and then the the jewelry. Yeah, that he took from them. So the the messed up thing is that when he thinks the guy uh, leaves the apartment, he starts looking for the stash. The moment that he holds the stash, he realizes through a mirror that the motherfucker fake leaving the apartment because mm-hmm. he thought that somebody somebody was there. Yeah, yeah. So then the chase start. Yes, and and, and it gets intense. Oh yes, he's uh, just shooting and he's just running. Um, now the cool thing I think is he had no time to pick up, um, you know, the stash of, you know, the victims, um, mementos, you know, from every no. moment that he killed. He had no time. He, he had to get this he kinda, guy. He kind of shot himself in the foot because he shot him. He shot the box and the box just spread up and right before the window inside his house. Mm-hmm. So he's running. Now the thing that I've. Um, that I really like is his best friend, the police officer, actually, you know, now he believes what he said. Mm-hmm. He, he, But he still needs proof. Exactly. And this is where everything worked perfectly. Because the guy shut that box. He didn't pick up shit. He just went through the window behind Frank. Mm-hmm. The moment the cops arrive, the first thing that they see is the mess. When he looks down. All the mementos and all the reports. Very convenient with the newspaper, the name of the victim, the piece they were looking for, 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 you know, for that 
mm-hmm. dead person. So yeah, they got all the proof they wanted right there. Yep. So it, 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 mu- it must have been amazing for him as, as a best friend. Yeah, this is like freaking golden ticket. So I don't know at that point if the serial killer slash police officer knew that he was in deep trouble. But he definitely knew that someone definitely knows he's the killer. Yeah. He needs to silence them. Mm-hmm. So not only that, but we, we look to his son in the future. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like the same thing's happening because he's asking these questions that have been buried for 30 years. Um, he says investigator, police officer. So he knows this guy knows a lot more than what he's saying he knows. Mm-hmm. So he got to silence him too. So now we got the same scene happening at the same time in different time timelines mm-hmm. where the younger uh, serial killer is after the dad and the older one is after the son 30 years later. So that that's kind of like <clears throat> that gets intense and yeah because it's the same thing happening in two different timelines. They both break into the house um, in, in Frank's timeline 30 years ago. Um, I guess it gets interrupted because of the the wife and the kid. No, so what the guy did actually, when he goes into Frank's house, Frank is by himself, everybody's sleeping. He goes and knocks him up because Francis to be the kind of guy that you you just can't knock him up really easy. Oh yeah, apparently. With two slaps. <laughs> I mean, I was like, what? Like second time, and he just knocked him up again. I was like, why? Yeah. Like yeah. they were fighting. So he knocked him up, and then he actually coughs him up to the door. Yes. And then he goes to try to kill the the wife. So, uh. As the, as the guy in the present is starting to wrestling with John, the other one is choking the mother. Yes. And the mother scratches him, and you can see that like, this car comes up in his face on the, on the, on the present. Yeah, the, the older guy, in the, uh, 30 years in the, in the future, all of a sudden, uh, sh- a scar appears suddenly in his face. Exactly. So you can see how the past is happening at the same time. Life. Yeah. So some some reason I'm not sure why, but he comes down. He grabs the kid, and by the time that he comes down, Frank already released himself. Yeah. And he has a shotgun on his on his hand. But he can't shoot because he has the, a kid. The younger son, you know, he has him up, and he said, "I'm gonna snap his neck." So now we have a dilemma, and then in the future. We have the same guy on his son again. <laughs> yeah, choking him. Choking him, about to shoot him uh, in the head mm-hmm. with a gun. So, same scene. Well, not necessarily same scene, but, you know, a similar situation. Well, in the, yeah, in the past, he's actually right in front of the door, ready to run. But then the wife jumps in from the stairs. And knocks the kid out of his hands. 
And, and so that's like, when the magic happens. He just blows his hands off, his hand off uh-huh. with the shotgun, and he runs off. But in the present, yeah. the guy actually, his hand just disappears as he's trying to choke the guy. That was a, that was really cool. <laughs> yeah, it was. it was. I was like, nice. <laughs> and this is the part when I realized technically it was the same scene. Because when he gets up to shoot his son, you know, in the past, we have him shoot, but he escaped. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a, a Frank. Shot the shotgun and he escaped. Now, in the future, we see his shotgun and he's dead. And we turn around and it's Frank. He's alive. An now. older Frank. Alive, no more cancer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was like, oh man. This, they did it. <laughs> they did it. So, and this is the part where I said, you know, this is kind of like what you said perfectly. You know, this is the Disney of all sci-fis. Because the next, you know, the, the end of the movie is They like, live forever and ever happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the mother is alive. The, the dad is alive. They're older. He's with his wife and he's going to have a kid. Exactly. And in the beginning of the movie, they actually were breaking up. They're the, they, were bo- they were boyfriend and girlfriend and they were breaking up. Yeah. And this one, they're married and they're having a kid. Yeah. Gordo is millionaire. Now. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. You know, Gordo always complained to him, like, dude, you know, if someone would have told me about Yahoo, man, I, I always regretted not being able to buy stocks on Yahoo. And one of those radio conversations when the... When the Gordo was a little kid. He's like, hey, Gordo, this is Santa Claus. You know, I, I have a big gift for you. Do you remember this? Yahoo. Go write it down. Yeah, what is Yahoo? Forget about it. Just go write it down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so now he has like a Mercedes Benz, and you know, <laughs> and the car says one Yahoo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, I thought that was really clever. Uh, but it was a good movie. Yeah, I I really enjoyed it. Like I said, I've seen this movie so many times, um, and and it's, it's you know it, it's a drama, but. You know, it's, it's sci-fi. It's, it's totally a sci-fi. Above all else, it's a sci-fi to me. Yeah. So, you guys, you know, let, let's start out the conversation. Let, let, let us know what you think. If you haven't seen the movie, <clears throat> go you watch should. the movie. You yeah. should. If you like sci-fi, especially if you like uh, sci-fi dramas, you have to watch this movie. And, and hit us up on um, Twitter and uh, Discord. Let's, let's start this conversation in this movie. Let's see what you guys think. Absolutely. Let us know. This movie or any other episodes, uh, reach us out. We'd like to hear from you. Okay. And just so you know, the Discord link is on our uh, show description. And also, um, if you follow us on uh, Twitter, I usually post in there. Uh, we're also on Instagram. Uh, you can reach us out for a link. I can send you the link at any time. Well, this is the end of the show for now. Please let us know. If you like this episode. And if you have an idea about which topics you would like to discuss for the next episodes, let us know. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter at Sci-Fi Remnant. And if you like this podcast, please share it. Also, join us on Discord. And rate us on your favorite podcast platform. This will help us grow. Thank you. See you next time. This is Science Fiction Remnant, signing off.